This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Yes, indeed, and I am joined by our friend Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, good morning. Haven't seen you for a while. <laughs> been on vacation. A little vacation, a little R&R. <laughs> a little R&R, staycation, yeah. All right, good. Well, welcome back. Good to see Thank you, you, as usual. And Julie will be answering, as usual, your phone calls and your text messages. And the subject is lawns and gardens. Yeah, we can see our lawns. Woohoo! Yeah, how about that? Yeah. But don't walk goodness. on them yet, right? Yeah, they're a bit squishy, I yeah. think. Yeah. Best to stay off if you can help it. Very good. Uh, if you have a lawn question, sure. If you have a garden question, folks are, a lot of folks have been thinking about that. Yeah. Especially after this season. It's been a long season. winter. Yeah. So call it in, as I said, at uh, 651 651- Nine eight nine nine two two six. There's a line open, but they fill fast. So if you want to call in, call now, and uh, or send Julie a text eight one eight zero seven eight one eight zero seven. What was the first thing we do, or maybe when do we do start treating our lawns with whatever? Well, we have to wait a little bit of time because uh, most people are concerned about crabgrass control. And getting down that pre-emergent before that crabgrass emerges, that's going to be around mid-April to mid-May, and uh, and most of the most of it is because we need to get it on there before the crabgrass emerges, so that uh, what a pre-emergent does is it prevents the seed from last year from germinating mm. this year and creating new okay. plants. So you want to get that pre-emergent down, but mid-April is about about the right time. Now, if you remember last mid-April. We had a blizzard, <laughs> right? And I hope that doesn't happen again. But so you have to kind of, you know, Minnesota gardeners. We kind of watch and wait and watch and wait, and we jump on things when we can. But uh, yeah, mid-April to mid-May is about that time that uh, we can get that pre-emergent stuff. down. By the way, our friends at Buy the Yard Patio Furniture they make that outdoor furniture down in Jordan, Minnesota. They sponsor the show every week, and we really appreciate that. Buy the Yard. We'll talk about that in a moment or two. But I think folks folks are anxious to uh, get some questions yeah, answered. Yeah, let's do here. it. All right. I think Ron in Minneapolis is first up here. Ron, you're on with Julie. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I've got about seven small, uh, short, uh, evergreen shrubs that I've put burlap around. Is it right. too early to take them off? I think I would take that off because we are starting, and you've probably noticed this too, that the sun is really warm and, uh, and the days are longer, and so those plants are going to start to grow, and I think taking off that burlap would be okay now. Um, that burlap has been preventing uh, winter burn, which is from the really cold, desiccating winds and, uh, and also from, uh, uh, from salt damage, too, if they're near a road or a sidewalk at all. 
And so that clearly, well, we hope, we hope we're done with the salt. Yeah. And uh, I think we're mostly run out of salt in a lot of municipalities, I imagine. But yeah, you could probably take those off now. All right. Very good. Thanks, Ron. Ron leaves that line open, 651-989-9226, or send a text, 81807. Let's go to Ogilvy with a question from uh, Paul. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Julie. Good morning. Uh, I finally got across that five-foot snowdrift between <laughs> me and my orchard. <laughs> and I got bad news, I think, when Uh-oh. I got there. I have two beautiful, nice, sweet cherry trees, well, they're bushes, and the mice girdle Oh, them. sure. Have I got any chance of saving them? Well, I'm a wait-and-see kind of person, so uh, I would say wait and see how bad it is. If it's possible at all, There are they Nanking cherry shrubs? Yes. Okay. So if possible, if, they're, if the damage is just on one or two branches and it wouldn't deform the plant too much, I would think about maybe pruning those out. Um, but if... If it's just if it's on like a majority of that plant, like clearly around its main trunk, then I would I would baby those those shrubs. I would protect them from further damage if possible this spring. I'd even keep a a bit of hardware cloth around the base of those just to keep them uh, safe from other uh, browsers. But and I would I would wait and see see how they do. Um, but yeah, girdling is bad. Um, what happens is that they eat through the vessels, which are just below the bark layer, the cambium layer, and those vessels are what are bringing the moisture and nutrients from soil up into the plant through some of the vessels, and the photosynthesis or the uh, the energy, the carbohydrates from the leaves down into the roots from the other vessels. So there's vessels going back and forth. They're called phloem and xylem. And uh, when you girdle it, you literally cut off those vessels. It's like if you cut a straw in half, you know, that would be the end of that. So, uh, but I would, I am a wait and see person. I guess I would uh, protect that tree and just, you know, make sure it's watered well, mulch its base, protect it from other browsers and see how it does. What was what were those? It out, what were those terms good. that you just used? Phloem and xylem. Sounds like a law firm. <laughs> <laughs> LLC. <laughs> <laughs> Texter wants to know: Can I trim my little Kim tree? Yeah. So I saw that text, and uh, that's a that's a little uh, a, a later blooming uh, lilac. And I think what I would do with that is I would look for branches that are growing vertically, or that are really crossing. And I would prune those out. That's how I would prune it. If you, I think it's because it's a little bit later bloomer. Uh, if you shear it now, or if you go and you know head it all back, round it out, kind of thing, um, you might prune off some of the flower buds, and then you'd have a less of a bloom. So uh, the best thing to do is wait till after it blooms, and then do your pruning on it to be sure that you're not pruning off those flower buds. But you could take out any crossing branches, vertical branches broken from winter, uh, any wanky-looking branches that stick out and kind of wreck the shape. But, uh, yeah, so I think I would do that right now, just kind of tidy it up maybe for the year. How about apple trees? Can I still prune apple trees? Yeah, you can still prune your apple trees. Uh, We're coming to uh, the 1st of April, and the plants are going to start to be uh, de-acclimating or coming out of dormancy. So do it today. That's when I, I have to do my crab apple tree actually mm. today. So let's go back to the phones. Uh, Jean in South St. Paul, I believe, is on CCO. Go ahead, Jean. Good morning. Yeah, this is the first 
bark off my burning bushes. Yeah. Bare branches, is it going to die? Well, again, it's going to depend on the extent of the girdling. And uh, and if you can prune out a branch, if they just hit a few branches here or there and you can prune them out without ruining the entire shape of the plant, um, then you could do that. Burning bush is a little different than the cherry trees because you can you can head that plant back. You can You can cut it, you know, fairly, you know, about a third of it off and you're still you're still going to have a, a pretty good-looking shrub, you know, at later in the season. But if they've really nailed the bottom of the, you know, the base of that plant, it it, it may be a goner. Let's go to uh, Jim, who's calling in from uh, Falcon Heights, I believe. Go ahead, Jim. You're on with Julie. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, here's my question. Where can I find a lawn service that is actually going to give my lawn some tender, loving (laughs) care. Uh, The big box outfits, which we've used for 10 or 12 years, really don't do that. They'll tell you we don't uh, treat quack grass. Okay. Uh, So I'm looking for a resource where I can find a a lawn service company who's going to come in and maybe dig up the quack grass. I don't want to do it myself. Sure. Uh, Yeah, so that's my question. So we have an awesome association in uh, Minnesota called the Minnesota Nursery and Landscape Association, MNLA. And they have a website, mnla.biz, B-I-Z. And if you go to that website, you can find uh, right away on the homepage are kind of sectors of the industry, lawn care, landscaping, irrigation. And you can click on those, and I think you enter your zip code and it'll bring up local, you know, businesses. Otherwise, you can just scan through them all. Also, the other great way to find a good service is to talk to people that you know, neighbors and friends, whose lawns are looking really great, uh, or that you, uh, you know, respect their opinion, and uh, and ask them. So, word of mouth is a great way to find a good uh, good industry or landscaping industry uh, reference as well. But MNLA is a wonderful association. They do a great job here. They're really uh, their members are very keen on good certification, education, and uh, they're out there to serve Minnesota. So, um, so look at that. MNLA dot biz is the right. website. Good resource. Yeah, right. excellent resource. All right. Hang on, Julie. We uh, need to take a quick break here on our Smart Garden Show. Folks on the line, stay there. I see one line is open. If you want to fill it. 651-989-9226, or send us a text, and we'll grab more of those, too, when we come back. That number, 81807. And good morning. Welcome back to CISO's Lawn and Garden Show called Smart Garden. Around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, we have a friend of uh, ours that joins us from time to time. Thank goodness <laughs> she knows her stuff. Julie Weisenhart from the U of M. Uh, Julie, as you can see, we do have uh, texters and yeah. we have uh, callers as well. Looks, Tell looks you what, like fun. Let's do this. Let's get back to the phones because those folks have been waiting. Then we'll pick up on text. Awesome. Elgin in Minneapolis. Uh, go ahead, Elgin. You are on CCO. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Morning. Um, I have a question for you guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I have. I bought a house in October. I, as you know, I do not have a green thumb. But anyway, <laughs> I bought a house in October and... Have it has like little patches of like where there's it's not grass, I don't know what it is, but it's I so anyway, I want to either plant sod or plant seeds 
and everything I've read about it says that I should, like, whatever's there, I should, like, get rid of what's there. Okay. So uh, so does, it sounds to me like you have patches of stuff that just, it, it's either not grass or it's a weird grass that yep. doesn't fit the rest of your lawn? Yes. Okay. So uh, the best thing to do is going to be to seed because that seed will blend into the rest of your lawn. So you need to determine, first of all, are these sunny areas or are they shady or part shade areas? And you want to purchase a good quality seed based on that. And when I say quality, you get what you pay for with seed. So uh, you don't want to cheap out and buy cheap seed. You want to buy good quality seed that, uh, you know, they're labeled with dates and, and they have their mixes on the back. And uh, we have good information on our extension site that explains the different species of grass. You have to learn a little bit about that to really make a wise purchasing decision. Most of your grass is probably you're probably going to want Kentucky bluegrass. That's what most of our lawns are are made of these days, primarily. So, determine your light, sunny, shady, part shade, part sun, whatever, and uh, and then look for a good quality grass seed. And you're going to want to seed probably in early May, and you can seed all the way into June as well. But those areas, you are going to want to probably rake them out. And in some cases, if they're really weedy, if it's a, if it's a, you know, a, a plantain or some, you know, crabgrass or quackgrass, if it's just strange-looking plants that don't fit the lawn, just dig them out of there. And then get some seed and mix it into some good, some nice topsoil and sprinkle it on there. And the reason I mix it into the topsoil is you want seed to soil contact. That's going to germinate the best. And that topsoil is going to protect it somewhat from birds getting in there and uh, eating all your seed up. It's going to cover it just ever so slightly. And you have to keep it moist. And, uh, and, and then it should sprout pretty quickly. All right, good. Good luck with that. Yeah, labor we have of love. Better infor- We have good information on our extension site at extension.umn.edu. Go to landscaping and lawn care, and there's excellent information on species of grass, and and so you're a little wiser when you go to buy. You don't have to become a we- you know a grass scientist or anything, yeah. but but uh, at least you're a little bit little bit knowledgeable. Julie, before we break, let's get Jim and Minnetonka's question answered. He's on the horn uh, this morning. Uh, go ahead, uh, Jim, with your question. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, yeah thank you. Good morning. morning. Uh, I enjoy your show. Uh, it's Great. It's very helpful. Awesome. Um, say, I have a couple of pine trees. I, I don't know what type of pine trees they are. They're about 10 feet tall. And um, the south side on both of the trees, I noticed, are experiencing what I'll just call winter burn. Okay. So the, the needles are very brown. Uh, they look almost look dead. Uh-huh. Um, is, is this something that will recover by itself, or how should I, what should I do with it? So I, as I said earlier to somebody, I'm a wait-and-see kind of person, and a lot of times what's happened with those trees is that the needles have died, but the branches have not. And you can run your hand along there, put on a glove, run your hand along there. And if the needles all fall off, um, then, you know, obviously the needles are dead. But then look and see as the weather warms up for buds. There'll be little bright yellowy green buds along that space. And those are new needles emerging. If Also, if you bend the branches, just give them a little bend and they don't snap off, uh, then they're still green and alive and they'll still produce. Your trees aren't going to look very good for a little while. Uh, it's going to take a couple years for them to recover. You want to figure out, though, what, what happened with those plants. If they're planted alongside a road, 
They could have had salt damage, spray from plows or cars going by, and you may want to protect them then with some kind of a barrier. Uh, the gentleman earlier was talking about unwrapping his uh, evergreens. He used burlap. You could set up a burlap barrier. You can set up a, a snow fence type thing. Um, it doesn't look so great, but it protects your trees from, from any kind of spray like that. If they're planted on that south side and they burn, then they're, then they're there. And unless you want to move those trees or replace them with something else, then you're going to have to, this is going to be a, probably a case most of the time. Okay. Thank you, Jim. Uh, Julie, we need to take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go, so don't go away. Call in your lawn or garden question or text it in here on our Smart Garden Show. Good morning. Welcome back to CCO's Lawn and Garden Show. We call it Smart Garden, and we enjoy your company every week. We enjoy the company of Julie Weisenhart, too. <laughs> yeah. She's the expert, and she like helps you there. out. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. And, boy, we've got a bunch of those, uh, Julie. I don't yeah, want to forget our texts, too. Let's see. Where did we? Oh, here's one. Uh, I have a partially shaded backyard. Would integrating clover be a good idea? Clover is a good idea, if you, particularly if you're trying to uh, – Incorporate it for bees. They love that stuff. Yep, bees. Very clover's a very white clover. We're talking white clover. Uh, very good uh, bee plant. Yeah. So yes, indeed. And uh, bee it starts with by the yard. They uh, they sponsor the show too. <laughs> by the yard starts bee. <laughs> I want to make mention of that they're great folks. Yeah, thank you very great much furniture. for your sponsorship. Yeah, we appreciate that. Uh, another text says, uh, "When can I start putting a product on my landscaping rock?" To prevent weeds, and what should I use? Well, That's I, the, yeah, most of those uh, most of those products have a temperature where they become active, activated, and so I would take a look at uh, at some of the pre-emergent uh, that are out there, and look at what weeds you're trying to control. Are they grassy weeds or are they broadleaf weeds? So broadleaf would be plantain and clover and uh, uh, oxalis and some of those pesky critters. And then if, or if they're grassy weeds, because those are going to be two different products. So, um, uh, but the temperature that when that becomes active or when that uh, product becomes active is important. So just read the back of the label. It's probably around 50 degrees. Okay. Uh, Texter wants to know, what do I do about snow mold on my lawn? Snow mold, yes, that is going to probably be an issue. It is almost every spring. Does that hurt uh, your lawn at all? No, it just it's just a mold that grows on that. You just rake rake those patches out, and once the weather warms up, I mean the sun is already much warmer now, uh, and once it's exposed, it will just go away at that point. Okay, Texter says uh, he or she is listening from Illinois this morning. Oh, all right, appreciate that. Yeah, thinking about uh, planting. Little lime hydrangeas? Yeah, little lime hydrangeas yeah. are great. What are, you, what are your thoughts on this variety? They're great. I have a lime hydra- a limelight hydrangea, which is a big hydrangea. And then there's little lime, which are smaller, compact, but very good variety. Yeah, highly recommended. Here's a question we get often, I think, Julie. Uh, I have, Texture says, several trees with exposed roots. How do I properly cover them to get grass to grow? You do not cover them. <laughs> do not cover those roots. Uh, leave them exposed Covering uh, roots with soil and trying to grow grass in them is not a good idea. And these are major roots. These are not the fine uh, roots that are, you know, anywhere from 8 to, you know, 15, 20 inches below the soil. Um, these are the major roots. You don't cover those. You leave those exposed. And and they are a kind of an issue with bigger trees, especially things like silver maples. Uh, they're notorious for having very big roots. But you're going to want to mulch that area and uh, and forget planting the grass on those roots. 
And then you could interplant those roots, though, with some perennials, some shade perennials, and that would green up that area. You wouldn't just have a big mass of, of uh, mulch at that point. But you do not want to be covering those roots. Okay. cause a lot of rot and, and other pesky problems. Mm, that's good. Back to the phones we go. Julie, Ken and Chanhassen is uh, on the line. Go ahead, Ken. Julie's listening. Yes, as long as it's too late to trim an oak tree or an apple tree, and also could I prune my uh, burning bush at this time? You could prune your burning bush, yes, and you can still prune your apple tree, and you're just on the edge of oak trees. Uh, We usually recommend that uh, oaks not be trimmed between April and June. And so, uh, so you're coming right, right, pretty close to that. Uh, and the reason for that is, it is that is the time April through June is the more uh, riskier time for oak wilt to spread. So, yeah, unless you know, and if you're concerned at all, I mean, you've got a couple more days. I guess trees don't live by the calendar, of course, but um, but you could still safely prune them at this point. All right, for a couple more days. Text number is 81807. Here's one, Julie. We have a very large bird of paradise plant, perhaps 8 to 10 feet tall. Lots of leaves and getting new leaves. How can we get it to flower? We've had it for maybe three years. It is growing, but uh, so far no flowers. Yeah, it might just be a maturity thing. Uh, Plants have a maturity level, and some of them take a few years before, especially these larger plants like this, uh, before they actually produce enough uh, you know, will bloom. But the, th- the thing about the bird of paradise is it may not be getting enough light either. And so you might want to be sure that it's in a good sunny window, uh, put it outside maybe during the summer to see if you can prompt it to bloom. It is an understory plant, so it's not a, it doesn't have to be in full sun, but it might just need some more light. You could also uh, give it a dose of fertilizer as well, a half strength recommendation, all-purpose fertilizer. But it may, it may just not be old enough yet to bloom, too. Okay. We'll get back to the phones in a moment. But another texter says, I have several hydrangeas that I did not cut back last fall. Winter interest. The bunnies or somebody has chewed them off to the ground. Oh. Will this jeopardize their growth this spring? Yeah, it depends on the type of uh, type of hydrangea. If it's a, a, a hydrangea macrophylla, it may put up new sprouts like an endless summer type. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, if it's a paniculata, if it's a panicle hydrangea, like quick fire or limelight, those are going to be, that's going to be a tough, uh, tough growing season for that plant. I'm a wait and see kind of person. I've said that a couple times already <laughs> today, but, uh, so you can wait and see how it goes. Um, but yeah, it's, that's, that's difficult. You got to screen those plants from those rabbits in the winter. And this year, particularly because we had so much snow, yeah, that they could get up. You might have put your four foot screen up there, and and they just sat up there and munched away yeah, on the top of the plant. True. So, uh, but screening is really important during the winter months. Back to the phones we go. Dave is calling in from Burnsville. Dave, you're on CCO with Julie. Hey, good morning, Julie. Good morning. Hey, I've got a quick question. I've got a cabin uh, in northern Minnesota, which has mainly a clay clay based soil. So there's a couple things, a couple questions I have related to that. Uh, one is the grass gets these really, really big weeds, and a lot of them. And a lot more, you know, my uh, my lawn down here in the city, so I'll use just spots, turf, and that kind of stuff, and, and all fertilized stuff here. I don't get any kind of weeds like I get up at the cabin. So I don't know if that's related to clay. And then the other question, so that's one question. Then the other is, what do you recommend... Um, are there 
Are there better trees? Because we want to plant trees up there, too. Are there some trees that are better in clay than others to plant? Or is it more of a northern, you know, grow the trees that are more appropriate to northern? Okay. Dave, we're going to put you on hold because your signal is <laughs> yeah, kind, kind of fading kind in of and breaking, out. breaking up there, but I think so I've got, got the, the questions. two questions. Sure. Uh, for the trees, I'm going to send you to our website, extension.umn.edu. We have under our trees and shrubs section on the yard and garden page, recommended trees for Minnesota, and it's divided up by regions. And it's got lists of probably, oh, could be 12 to 20 different trees that are good for that particular region. So I would find the region where your cabin is and look at some of the recommended trees. Those are trees that have, are tried and true for, for growing in that region. That's the first thing. As far as the grass or the grassy weed grows, it's a different kind of, of, of uh, plant that's growing up in that soil. It's probably not related to the clay soil. But what I would recommend is when you see that grass come up is take a picture of it this year and, again, go back to the extension site and go to Ask a Master Gardener. We have a wonderful tool on that section that you can type in your question on a form and attach up to three photographs. And let's see if we can get that weed or grass species identified for you first before you decide, um, you know, what, what to do about it. And, uh, and and so when that starts to come up this spring, then go ahead and take a photo and send it in and see if we can uh, ID that for you. Okay. Uh, before we break, Wendy is calling in from Faribault, Minnesota, with a question. Uh, Wendy, go ahead. You're on CCO with uh, Julie, Wendy. Good morning. Morning. I have a question about my hibiscus plant. Sure. I have been hibiscus plant person for years. Uh, I lived out in the country and it loved where it was, and it loved the water. I moved to a city, and now my plants are not happy. Is water and the type of water you give it a problem with hibiscus? I, you know, I've never heard of watery, water type being an issue with hibiscus, but I could certainly see where changing that uh, has maybe affected it somewhat. What, uh, what do you see happening to the plant? The leaves fall off, um, and they there's like looks like cottage cheese on some of the leaves, and they get yellow and curl, and they just don't thrive like they used to when I lived out in the country. Okay, so you've changed the location of them, so that can that can affect the leaf drop. That can cause the plant to drop the leaves. Um, I don't know about the cottage cheese. That sounds to me like it's a, a type of scale or mealybugs that have uh, infected that plant. And uh, you'd want to get that identified before you do anything about it. So, again, I to the previous caller, I left the, you know, indicated to send photographs to the uh, to Ask a Master Gardener. And that's what I'd recommend for you, too, regarding that. I don't think the water would have, would create this this cottage cheese looking, which to me sounds like a, like a scale, or it also sounds like uh, mealybugs. And uh, and that's an insect pest. That's something that you can take care of with a number of different uh, sprays or products. Um, you may also want to prune your plant back a little bit. Maybe not right now, but that uh, it may be that the plant is uh, kind of struggling to support itself. Um, but send a photograph in to ask a master gardener. Go to that web that web page on our uh, yard and garden page, and uh, and just send in some photos. And let's see if we can get it ID'd for you. 
and we'll, and, tell, and then we'll let you know what to do after that. For those folks just tuning in, and that website is? It is extension.umn.edu, and uh, go to Learn and Yard and Garden. All right. Very good. We need to take a quick break. We have more show to come, more callers, more texters to help out on our Smart Garden Show. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota Extension. And, boy, we have callers and we have a ton of text messages. We have a lot of texts. Which is not unusual. (laughs) Is there anything new out there, Texter says, regarding the Japanese beetle as far as preventing them from attacking your plants? I brought in two hibiscus for the winter. Would they be in the soil of the pots? Okay, so those are ornamental hibiscus. Uh, No, they're not going to be in the soil in the pots. They are... The, the grubs of Japanese beetles are grass feeders. They feed on the roots of grasses. So they're not going to be in your pot. So no worries there. Regarding Japanese beetle information, I would steer everybody, yay, to the new publication on Japanese beetles on our yard and garden page that uh, entomologist Jeff Hahn and I worked on. And uh, we really, we used a lot of the questions that people ask on this show to help steer the information uh, we give a lot of cultural things that you can do uh, to uh, to anticipate and, you know, keep your eye out for those pesky buggers. Uh, then also we, um, we also gave a, some chemical options too as well because there are some legitimate ways to control them that way when it really gets into that uh, severity of an issue. But look at that publication. It's under going to be under our insect section. Okay. You can also just Google Japanese beetles, U-M-N, and it'll show right it'll up. It'll find it. Yeah, it's first thing on the list. <laughs> Back to the phones we go, Julie. Ken in the White Bear Lake has been calling in, uh, waiting out there. Go ahead, Ken. Thank you. Uh, yes, I have a uh, – uh, thank you. I have you a uh, couple of uh, geraniums in pots that I brought in the house over the winter. Sure. Would it be uh, okay to check them out yet? Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. I would hold off till, boy, probably the early May to put those outside. Of course, it depends on our weather. You know, we have to watch the weather, but I wouldn't be moving those out till, you know, really till the temperatures at night are at least 50 degrees. So, you know, they're they're tender plants and you'll see some cold damage if you do. So uh, and we still could get some, I hate to yeah, say it, we still true. could get some snow. Patience. Yeah. So hold off on that. Texter wants to know, Julie, is it bad to use milorganite on my lawn? So milorganite contains phosphorus. And in Minnesota, we have the no phosphorus law, meaning that our lawn fertilizers that we buy as homeowners have a zero for the middle number in the soil, in the fertilizer analysis, the nutrient analysis. That's the phosphorus. We have no phosphorus because most of our soils in Minnesota, lots of times they're off the charts for phosphorus. We have plenty of phosphorus in our soil. We don't need to keep adding it. And the problem with phosphorus is if it goes into our waterways via runoff or if the fertilizer gets on a hardscape like a driveway or sidewalk and we don't clean it up, goes down into the water, it can create a lot of excessive nutrient in our waterways, which causes algae bloom and, and other problems. So uh, so malorganite has some phosphorus in it. And, uh, and so unless your soil test, if you do a soil test and the University of Minnesota has a terrific soil testing lab you can utilize, Unless that soil test says you need to add phosphorus or unless you are starting a new lawn, you do not need to add phosphorus. So I would choose a product that has zero for that middle number if, if your soil test says you do not need uh, phosphorus. 
the place that malorganite is useful is in the garden bed because uh, it's acts actually as an insect or as an animal repellent. Oh somewhat. yeah, I've heard yeah. That. It does a pretty good job with rabbits and deer as well if sprinkled lightly around a plant. So there, in that case, that's okay to use it in in the garden bed, but not on your lawns. Interesting. All right, Julie, let's Good see. question. So many text messages. Can I pull the leaves off the flower garden at the base of a big maple? Uh, unless you see plants coming up, I, would, I wouldn't I would be pulling leaves off necessarily. Um, you can tidy things up a little bit, but I would leave them covered yet. I mean, it's only March 30th, and I know everybody's anxious to be out there, and we're so excited that we actually see leaves and grass and, <laughs> instead sure. of white snow and ice. But just remember that we can still have a cold snap, and if you're you're going to be exposing those young plants, even if they're starting to come out a little bit, uh, let them come through the leaves. They'll be okay in that respect. All right. Uh, what do I do, Texture says, for my two-year-old Black Hill spruce that now looks to be yellowing? Oh, boy. Uh, two-year-old Black Oats, boy, yellowing. That's probably not a very good sign. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that... I would try to, you know, keep it watered this spring, see how it does. Uh, it may be dropping, might have lost some needles due to winter, uh, you know, winter issues. And uh, and I would just kind of see how it goes. Okay. Uh, it may be that, that that's a young tree, and it may be that it, it, it either didn't get planted correctly or, or maybe lacked water uh, through the years. Trees require quite a bit of water initially. We have a good publication on the site. Under our Water Wisely section, you'll find it under the trees and shrubs. And uh, we have two of them, actually. One is on watering new, newly planted trees, and one, is, one publication is on watering established trees. And you'd be amazed at when you plant a tree, how much water that tree needs through the season and even into years before those really? roots get reestablished. And the bigger the tree, the longer you have to water it and the more water it needs. So that's why we kind of promote planting younger trees uh, initially. They're much better at adapting and uh, and reestablishing their root system. That was written by our friend Kathy Zuzek, who used to work for Extension and was you know, a terrific tree person. Uh, I know we've had questions about voles before, but the oh, yeah. Texas says, how do you get rid of voles that damage our lawns? Oh, boy. Uh, the best thing to do is to make the environment unpleasant for the voles. <laughs> but protecting your plants with hardware cloth, that's small enough holes that keeps the voles away. But uh, a lot of times the voles are, uh, you know, they tunnel under the snow Keeping your lawn uh, in the fall, mow it down a little bit. Keep, they're kind of like field mice. Yeah, they're aren't like they? little field mice, and they're they're uh, you know increasing, uh, you know your the the habitat in your property for predators like hawks and and those help with controlling rodents like that or little animals. Um, but voles are hard because they're so small, and they are. Uh, and so protecting your plants are important around the base of the the trees and. Uh, they do do some tunneling, but most of the time, it's I think it's more superficial than it is. Uh, it's not like moles that have big really mole holes. There, yeah. So uh, we do have a publication on moles as well. <laughs> All right. I know we've got about 60 seconds to go, Holy Julie. Holy cow. Let's talk about two types of trees. Can hackberry trees still be pruned? Yes. Uh, how about oaks? You went back to that. Yeah, earlier. oaks, uh, boy, you got a couple more days. Usually April 1st is when we say to stop pruning those. MyMinnesotaWoods.umn.edu is a great website, and they have a, actually when you click on My Minnesota Woods, 
there's an oak wilt risk gauge right there. It'll tell you whether it's high and it's going to be turning into high pretty soon, but uh, or if you can still prune. Is pruning apple trees always a necessity every year? Yes, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. And we have uh, on our yard and garden blog. Uh, we have an excellent uh, series of videos on pruning apple trees. I forgot to say that earlier. but uh, So anybody who's got an apple tree to prune, watch those videos first. Annie Claude, our vegetable and fruit extension educator, and Dave Bedford, who's one of our researchers on apples, are on that video. Very, very helpful. But, yes, it's a necessity. We also have a new uh, publication coming out on our Yard and Garden News blog. I have to say this really fast. Is uh, on ash trees in emerald ash borer oh, by good. Jeff Hahn. So read that too. If Give us that concerned. website real fast. Extension.umn.edu. Click on learn. Go to Yard and Garden. Read the Yard and Garden news blog. We'll be back next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.